Welcome, welcome everyone to this new episode of the podcast uh, Coffee Breakdown. I am Luca and today we have a new uh, guest who is Professor Savino Longo. Savino is a full professor at uh, the Department of Chemistry at the University of Bari. And uh, uh, during his career, he worked on many topics uh, related on computer models for uh, plasma physics and chemistry, astrochemistry, astrobiology, and in general about complex uh, systems. So thank you very much, Savino, for being here. Thank you. So um, first of all, uh, uh, well, I'm very glad to talk with you. And uh, I would like also the general public to know about you. Uh, so can you tell us uh, when uh, you became interested about science and how? Uh, in fact, I, I remember that uh, I became interested in science uh, very, very early, very, very early, because uh, already when I was, uh, say, seven or eight year old in, the, in school, uh, I don't know why, I don't know why. We started to, to make, uh, you know, some uh, experiments. Uh, I remember that with my friends, uh, especially with a very good friend uh, of when you are very, very young, uh, we started to make experiments uh, on how you get different colors uh, when you write with uh, pencils uh, with different, of different colors uh, on, the same, on the same point. So you add, uh, you know, you add, uh, for example, uh, green uh, and uh, yellow, and you get another color, uh, or, uh, or you get black. Uh, and I, oh, there was some connection with chemistry. Okay. In fact, I started to be interested in chemistry from when I was very, very younger and then it was strange because i then i devoted the many many years uh, with the, in the conviction that i was uh, much interested in uh, in other sciences uh, and i studied a lot of mathematics and i graduated uh, in physics uh, and then uh, after say 30 years 30 years uh, ultimately i became professor of chemistry Okay. So it is very strange because it is like a chemistry was there from the very beginning, but I arrived there in, um, by a very long way. Okay, okay. But probably it's the combination of the knowledge of different sciences that makes it also more complete. You know, you have a vision that is more complete than only a chemist, you know, the people who do just chemistry. Since you studied also mathematics and physics and so on, and I think this helps a lot. Yes, this helps a lot in formulating sometimes a new idea. Mm -hmm. In Italy, in Italy, regardless of what, of what people say, especially publicly said, uh, this is not very, very appreciated because they prefer specialists. But of course, uh, oh, I can do nothing about it. Uh, you are right. I, I am what I am. So. Um, I like to work with the specialists of different uh, topics and formulate transdisciplinary proposals. Yeah, I always nice. do this. And, uh, um, but you know, students appreciate it a lot. Students yeah, 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 appreciate yeah, yeah. it a lot. And uh, sometimes uh, when you get an idea which can be, can be actually pursued seriously, uh, Cross-disciplinary is, uh, is, uh, is something which add value, add value because, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, when you, are, when you are at the boundary between different disciplines, uh, it is uh, even relatively easy to, do, to say something new. Maybe it's not very relevant, but uh, you don't have the focus of yeah. the others, of your colleagues on you. So it, sometimes it is difficult that it becomes uh, de facto important. It takes time. But uh, when you are in the boundaries, uh, really, it is really relatively easy to say something new. So this is an yeah, advantage. Yeah, yeah. but you, you, yeah. never, yes, yes. you can give also a new perspective, you know, to people working in the field, you know, coming from another field. I think uh, that's nice. Uh, 
Yeah. Also, um, what are your hobbies, uh, you know, outside the science, uh, basically? Uh, hobbies uh, from from the very from the very childhood, I was interested in uh, astronomy, amateur astronomy. astronomy. Okay. Now is uh, now is uh, maybe is uh, almost uh, more than forty years. I practice amateur astronomy. Astro okay. I, I am part of groups uh, and uh, we deliver seminars uh, and also stay sometimes in the night uh, in places where you can see the stars uh, and uh, other people, not me, other people uh, bring uh, good telescopes, uh, relatively powerful telescopes uh, and we look at the stars. Uh, now, it is, now it became very easy to make pictures of the stars through the telescope because you know of smartphone technology. In the past, you were to buy a camera to do photo. Now it is very simple to do astronomical photographs. And of course, it is also very, very easy to share them. So it, it changed a lot. It changed a lot. Yeah, yeah, because of the advancement of technology, I think, right? In photography, yes. as you said, in yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Okay, very. So, okay, coming really into uh, science, one of the reasons I wanted to invite you really is that I think worldwide, uh, I think you're one of the experts of low temperature plasmas. So, in this podcast, we already had some episodes about fusion plasma. So, can you explain us what is a low temperature plasma and what is the difference between a fusion plasma and a low temperature one? Okay, plasma, people sometimes say it is a fourth state of the matter. Mm -hmm. The other three states being solid, liquid, and gas. You know, this is a kind of abused definition, especially because for other specialists, other states of matter are the fourth state. For example, yeah. people in liquid crystal believe this is the fourth state. People working with complex matter or smart materials, which are strongly organized, sometimes they say this is the fourth state. So there are many candidates for the fourth state. But what is in fact plasma? Plasma, you know, is, uh, is, um, is a dangerous word because uh, people immediately think to another kind of plasma, which is the plasma of biology. Uh, in fact, there is a connection in terms of, of the meaning of the word, which is the reason why both of them are called plasma. Okay. For me, plasma is a gas, which is ionized, which means that you put energy into it. You put energy. You, you can do the it by heating it a lot, like in the sun. And so it becomes a high temperature plasma. And, and the, um, you have ions, you have electrons. In fact, the molecules break up. Atoms become ionized, so they break. And it is because of the high temperature. And this is a high temperature plasma. Yeah. But when you produce the plasma in the laboratory by using an electric discharge, it is possible, it is actually very easy to produce a state of the matter where electrons, which are small, which are small mass, so they move a lot, they move faster, electrons are hot, while the rest of the gas is not hot, it is room temperature. So this is not like the sun. This is more like, uh, um, like light sources, uh, which we use, uh, which very often are, if they are not lead, mm -hmm. very often they are in fact called the plasma. And this is the state of the matter we, we are mentioning. So it's uh, a gas where you have a lot of electrons, not, uh, not really a lot, in fact, uh, even just a few of electrons make the difference. Normally, you don't have electrons in the liquids, for example. You have negative ions, like in solution, which are you know, basic. So you have negative ions formed by water, but they are not electrons. Electrons are very rare. But in cold plasma, you have an important fraction of electrons, and they are very hot, while the rest yeah. is cold. 
And, and this is also where the connection between uh, physics and chemistry come. In this type of plasma, you can have different species also in different quantum states, right? And you have to take that into account sometimes when you do your computer models, I think. Yes, yes. For me, it is much a, 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 a matter of computing. In fact, a cold plasma, if you want to describe them by a numerical model, they, they require physical knowledge, mathematical knowledge, computer science, of course, but also chemistry. It, I, would, I would like to mention that, in fact, this is especially for me and for people who do computer model of plasma, but in fact, a cold plasma has a natural connection to chemistry because it's a low temperature way to put a lot of energy into the molecule. So for example, you can produce a lot of radicals. A way to produce a lot of radicals is to heat up the gas a lot, but then you cannot use this gas for many applications because it is hot. So you can, uh, it cannot touch, for example, uh, biological tissues. It cannot even be stored in, uh, in, um, in glass because the glass would melt. So there is a natural connection. Yeah, and fact, plasmas are very important for chemistry and also for medicine, biology, yeah. and material science. Yeah, so some of the application of these plasmas, in fact, is you know, the interaction of the plasma with the substrate or surfaces that are like biological tissues and so on, or uh, like for semiconductors. Uh, so recently there have been also applications in the field of uh, green energy and so on. So you worked also on this topic. Uh, so can you mention something about that? And uh, how can low temperature plasma be exploited for environmental applications? Yes, this is an application which started a few years ago. In fact, there was some, uh, there were precautions. Uh, there was uh, considered a lot and studied a lot uh, in the former Soviet Union. Uh, and it was uh, 30 years ago, but then it was kind of forgotten. But before it is better than I say what I'm speaking about. Yeah. The idea is to use the special reactivity of cold plasma, which is cold, which is cold. So, but it has uh, these, uh, high energy electrons uh, and these energy electrons uh, get uh, their energy from uh, electrical power and you know that electrical power now can be produced uh, very effectively as uh, by renewable sources so in principle if you apply electrical power you are on the way to a green application so these electrons can have high energy because of electrical power but they can, for example, break molecules. And by breaking molecules, you can remove from existence molecules which are noxious, molecules you want to be something different because they are made of atoms. You cannot remove the atoms. Yeah, but yeah. So for example, CO2. Exactly, okay. Yes, for example, CO2. Okay, CO2 is... Uh, is a harmless molecule, you know, it's not toxic. In fact, if you have a lot of CO2 in an environment, this is not good, but uh, technically it's not really toxic or even less poisonous. But uh, you know about this uh, greenhouse effect, which is enhanced by CO2. Now CO2 became a molecule you want to transform into something else. But the problem is that the CO2 is the product of a combustion. So it being a product of a combustion, it is a very stable molecule because to get the CO2, you obtain the energy before. You have a lot of energy in methane, you have a lot of energy in, uh, in wood or in coal, especially, of course, when you have also oxygen, and then you can get a lot of energy. But after you get this lot of energy, what remains uh, is very poor of energy. So CO2 is a molecule, say, let us say, with, without chemical energy. And so it is very stable. It will never react to become something else. And it accumulates. Okay, plants are able, plants are able to transform CO2 into oxygen. 
and we would like to do the same. And people do this, for example, try to do this by using artificial photosynthesis. It is a very important subject. But another possibility is to use a cold plasma. Okay. You put the CO2 into cold plasma, and these are very, very fast electrons break the molecule. After you break the molecule, you get something which has high chemical energy. And so you can transform this, in principle, you can transform this activated CO2 into, I don't know, fuel, fuel back. Or you can transform into plastic or, you know, drugs, whatever you want, in yeah, principle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So really, the idea is to capture, you know, the CO two out of the air, right, and to break these molecules and to convert it to other chemicals, in fact, that we can use in industry and transportation. So then, of course, we can break the molecules in many different ways, as you mentioned. We can eat up the gas as simply, or we can use a plasma and so on. So in this respect. Uh, what is the uniqueness of the plasma? Is really to enhance chemical reaction in this case, to activate molecules. You know, plasma is an option. It's fact. an option, yeah. Uh, science, in my opinion, has the responsibility to produce options. Mm -hmm. Then is it up to the political planners, to economic planners to decide, but they cannot decide if they don't have option. You know, you need to know several ways to solve a problem according to science, because you cannot ask a science to solve a problem in the arge of application and even less, even worse, in the arge of emergency. Yeah. So if we need, let us say, 20 years of research to imagine, to produce a practical way to eliminate CO2 by using plasma, we must do it now so it can become an option in the future. In this respect, why, CO2 by, why dissociation of CO2 by plasma is an option? Mm -hmm. In principle, the best, way, the best way to remove CO2 from the atmosphere is to use a natural photosynthesis. So you can you, you plant a lot of plants, a lot of trees, and this is the best solution, okay? Yeah, this yeah. is the best solution. But uh, there are problems in this, uh, in partial in this uh, solution, because uh, for example, we really have a problem of locating wide areas, which can be populated back with the green plants or with the trees. Yeah, Most I've read, the, uh, I've read some papers. I've read yes. some papers that were calculating the area in the world that uh, we need for to you know replant or uh, grow more trees and so on in order to reduce the CO2 amount from the atmosphere. That is really a huge area. In fact, it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. But, yeah, in uh, principle, it's the best solution. But most of the areas cannot be used. They are used, for example, to produce food. So you cannot exactly, convert exactly. back to forest. Most of the most of the cultivations which are used to produce food do not have very effective green leaves. So you either produce a photosynthesis or produce a food. There is a not a necessary connection. And most of the areas cannot be used because of the other the mountains or you don't have water. So, yeah, yeah. so plasma has an advantage, is an industrial technology. Mm -hmm. So industrial means uh, that you can do a lot of a product with uh, a small area, a small yeah. area, because it is a high efficiency, high yield. A future plasma reactor to dissociate CO2 could be as effective as a huge forest of trees. But of course, you need much less area. Yeah. So industry, this is the advantage. Yeah, one, one thing to mention, I think, because uh, when we talk about plasma reactor, uh, maybe people uh, uh, listening to this episode think, you know, we need a huge power plant, huge, like fusion reactor, but it's not the case. So these devices 
are kind of limited in size. Uh, is it correct? Uh, yes, no, no. They, they would be essentially like uh, like a normal uh, chemical factory, mm -hmm. and they would use uh, in they would use in the ideas of renewable energy, yeah. all electrical. They are all electric. So then it is up to the to science to find a way to produce all electrical energy in a green way. But this is a problem we must solve in any case. So we, we must assume that the problem will be solved. Then after we have green electrical energy, these factories would use this green electrical energy, for example, to convert back CO2 to fuel, yeah. which means this is a very big advantage advocated by many specialists that you could, in principle, in many state, in several states, several states which cannot actually opt for all electric, they could still use the present technology for transportation, for example, which is using basically fuel, chemical fuels. And then, then out of this, uh, of this uh, circle, you produce back fuel. So you have vehicles working, for example, with ethanol, but this ethanol is produced from CO2. Yes. And yeah, from so it's a transition, transition technology. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And of course, from water, of course, because you need yeah. hydrogen. Yeah. But then the water is completely renovated in the circle, in the full circle. So this is not a problem because a combustion produces water again. Yeah. And uh, also mentioning other types of application, I mean, uh, not uh, related to CO2 or green energy. So in the future, in the coming years, which type of New application do you see it coming or that are important that may be important? You mean for plasma? Yes, yes. Okay, I would distinguish between application and science. Okay, because, yes. Um, yeah, I, because yeah, um, because uh, plasmas, for example, uh, plasma are uh, bring uh, very interesting scientific problems, uh, and by solving this problem, we can we can learn a lot. In fact, plasma are initial, in fact. You have plasmas in, uh, no, in, uh, in thunderstorms. You have plasma in stars. You have plasma in the ionosphere. So you can believe it is a smart application or not, but you cannot get rid of plasma. And by studying plasma, you develop new ideas. And from new ideas, you get application. Yeah. But in terms of application of the plasma, as a such, now I see my colleagues working a lot in, in a lot of different and promising directions. For new directions, with really new, I mean, something which was barely mentioned 20 years ago, like, for example, to use a plasma in medicine to improve, for example, all the, all the, method, the technology which is used in surgery or even to heal some uh, illness uh, and uh, in agriculture it was found that if you expose uh, for example seeds uh, not or, uh, not any kind of, of seed and not in any condition but if you expose the seeds uh, to cold plasma then you can get uh, for example uh, products uh, which are much uh, less uh, uh, susceptible to, for example, to the attack of mushrooms, of bacteria. Mm -hmm. They decay much, much slower, and you don't use any chemical product. And also other applications, for example, are in chemical synthesis, because we have seen that in plasma you can produce a lot of radicals. From radicals, you can produce almost any kind of chemical. Plasma yeah. is already used, for example, to produce ozone. Anyone knows about it. Ozone is important because you can use it, for example, to, to clean water, to clean air. You can do a lot with ozone. And in these generators, ozone is produced via plasma. Yeah, yeah. Very so interesting. Ozone yeah. is an example of chemical produced 
by plasma, but now we have seen that we are discovering that many other chemicals are effectively produced via plasma. For example, it is possible to fix the nitrogen in our atmosphere and convert it into useful chemicals by using plasma. Yeah, and again, this is something that biology does it, you know, naturally. For example, plants for uh, fertilization and so on. So they break this nitrogen, but we can also do it artificially using a plasma. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they do it yeah. their way by using uh, by using uh, catalyzers, which are uh, organometallic molecules. It is like the it is like the, this um, you know this matter of artificial photosynthesis is an option. Yeah. You can fix a nitrogen, for example, by using a natural way or by using the, the methods actually used, presently used in the chemical industry, plasma looks like a very interesting option, especially if in the future we will have a lot of electrical energy produced by sustainable sources. If electrical energy becomes the, the most important, uh, you know, starting point for green application, uh, then plasma becomes uh, much and much more important. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, yeah, at the connection between uh, matter and electrical energy, you have plasma. Yeah, yeah. So coming back, uh, like um, to a bit more theoretical, numerical, so which type of models uh, do you use to describe uh, the chemical reaction and uh, the discharge in general, the plasma in general? The models, uh, in, um, the models are very nice because they are used on some mathematics, which sometimes is not elementary. Mm -hmm. So you have the possibility, in fact, to practice some quite advanced mathematics and good computer science. You need, uh, now it is difficult to say here how they work, uh, but they are, you saw, structures. They are mathematical structures. Mm -hmm. Mathematical structure means uh, you have uh, something which is uh, ordered and uh, it has, uh, it can, it may change. A mathematical structure is a very, is a very versatile concept. Uh, there are special words. To call sometimes, for example, uh, in, in, they are technical terms. Most people, of course, will not uh, will not understand them. But uh, for example, sometimes a chemical structure in what a specialist call a differential equation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, a, a structure is uh, a matrix. Sometimes a structure uh, is uh, is another group of numbers uh, which is connected by pipelines, uh, abstract pipelines, uh, and numbers are able to move uh, from a, from uh, from one part of this structure to another part of the structure. What I mean is that. Uh, this is a sometimes uh, this is very abstract mathematics or in any case uh, high level mathematics yeah. but then you must use it uh, to write a computer program so you need also computer science uh, after the computer program is able to produce numbers and these numbers may become uh, plots and yeah. looking at the plots uh, and this is the ultimate uh, results uh, one hopes, one hopes. From this plot, you get uh, the, the insight, the insight. So it means uh, that then you need a human imagination. Mm -hmm. So you, yeah, yeah. After, again, after, uh, again, it's really multidisciplinary. So you need to know the physics, you need to know computer science, uh, mathematics, and so on. So it's not easy, in fact. Uh, so it's not, yeah, it's not easy because uh, you know it is hard to find someone who has studied this kind of topics altogether. So, for example, when I have a new student, a new student for thesis, and it was also my case when I was young. If you want to work in this topic, you learn that if you are, for example, a physics, a physics, you don't know chemistry. If you are a mathematician or a computer scientist, you know a lot, but you don't know why. And so you have to understand, and you don't know how also. And so you have to study. In fact, um, now this, um, 
this kind of science uh, when you have uh, mathematics uh, together with the computers, uh, with the physics and chemistry, and uh, is, uh, is becoming much more known. And there will be more of this uh, in the universities yeah, yeah. Uh, in the future. But now it's still like this. I have, for example, students who want to do their uh, master thesis with me. If they are chemists, they know why, but they have to learn a lot of mathematics and computer because they start working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, like going a little bit more technical, can you explain uh, maybe in simple words, uh, what, what is a Monte Carlo method? And now can, can be, this method can be exploited to study uh, plasma in general. Well, Monte Carlo is, uh, you ask a deal because you know, and Monte Carlo yes. is, uh, is a, a kind of one of these uh, structures, which you, one of these mathematical idea, which we, you can use in order to transform, in order to transform ideas into these numbers or plots. Monte Carlo is a, is a, is a technique for numerical simulation, for computer simulation. Simulation means that you have a model of the phenomenon, which is something which is mathematical, but in some respect is similar to your phenomenon. In plasma, for example, electrons are moving in any direction, randomly. And they randomly change the direction in which they are moving. And so this random element can be introduced in a computer program by mathematical structure, which are specially able to simulate the random chaos you know, of, the, of the real world. These, they are called random number generators. So they are simple formulas which produce numbers which looks like to be random. The idea is very old. Uh, this idea dates back to, in some respect, I mean, not, not complete, not, not exclusively, but it comes from the studies for the production of the first nuclear weapon. So Los Alamos, you know, Los Alamos yeah, yeah, project. Yeah. And uh, there were some, mathemat some mathematical studies connected with this, uh, mostly by von Neumann, anyone von Neumann. Von Neumann. And uh, less known, but very important here, but not in mathematicians know it, is Stanislav Ulam. Ulam, yeah, yeah. Stanislav Ulam may be much less known yeah. by the general Polish, uh, I think. Uh, it was Polish. I think, so. I think yeah. so. He wrote, in fact, a book uh, which is very famous uh, about uh, the experience of working as a mathematician, uh, okay. which you may found, which you may, you may find in, uh, in bookshops, uh, but okay. he's much less known. And he was the per he was the person who devised the name Monte Carlo. Because you know, in Monte Carlo, you have uh, you have uh, casinos, yeah, and yeah. Uh, so you have a roulette, roulette, and uh, and you play with the cards, blackjack, but whatever. So uh, Monte Carlo is like random, and this is the idea. This is why it was called Monte Carlo okay. method. In fact, it is very nice. There is a, there is a funny story about. Uh, a variant of the Monte Carlo method, which is much less known, mm -hmm. which is much less used. And I believe that in time, it, it came to merge, in fact, with Monte Carlo method. And it was, for the same reason, it was called Las Vegas method. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Yes, another um, um, topic I would like to talk with you is something probably not so well known at least at least not from my side that is uh, astrochemistry or astrobiology so I'm used to hear you know I have a background in physics so I'm used to hear astrophysics but astrochemistry is difficult for me to relate what, what is astrochemistry what is astrobiology no you know so what are you studying in this field uh, you know, I, I am studying a lot. I, I have been studying astrochemistry for many years, and now I have an interest in astrobiology. Okay. Uh, 
uh, this is a uh, this is a very long very long story. In fact, I am not even sure that astrochemistry is an appropriate name for the discipline, because uh, what is astrochemistry? Yeah. Astrochemistry is the study of a chemical reaction which happens in space. So they are very important because, uh, of course, uh, in space, uh, you may produce, uh, for example, molecules, uh, which are the molecules of life. And for people interested in the origin of life, uh, it's not immaterial to have information about the possibility that amino acids, uh, sugar, even, uh, even components of the ribonucleic acid, uh, can be synthesized spontaneously in space. And this is astrochemistry. So is in fact the term is not very fortunate. Okay, it has a lot of fortune as a, as a term. It is used a lot now, but um, it's probably is not the best because you know astrochemistry is not is not a, a discipline in opposition to astrophysics. Uh, astrophysicists not knew a lot about astrochemistry, even before, because the chemical reaction in space are important for astrophysics. In fact, uh, astrochemistry was, uh, you know, was devised as a term, like to say, astrophysics is physics of space, uh, astrochemistry is the chemistry of space. But uh, in terms of etymology, Astrophysics uh, is not uh, the physics of space. Yeah. Astrophysics is the understanding of, uh, of the space object uh, opposed to just a description, uh, which is done in astronomy. So it's, no, it's the fusis, uh, like uh, in, in ancient Greek. Astrophysics is the nature of the object. What is a star? This is astrophysics. So in fact, astrochemistry is not in opposition to astrophysics. Yeah, but, uh, now, but now, but now, now people call it astrochemistry, and I am happy about this uh, because it is a corpus of knowledge which needs uh, recognition. You must be able to address uh, immediately what you are doing. Uh, so I am happy that you have this term, uh, but in etymological term, in, in etymological no, terms, uh, in my opinion, is a, is a little misguided. Okay, yes, yes. Well, also, it may be important if when, you know, sometimes we hear this discovery of exoplanets. Um, so to address the question whether uh, life can be formed in extraterrestrial planets, uh, for example. Yeah, um, this is astrobiology. Can, yeah. This is astrobiology. This is astrobiology. Okay, okay. Now, you know, astrobiology is, is a very, very new term. Just a few years ago, if you, it was not used. It was not, it sounded very, uh, very strange, very strange. But uh, in, in fact, most people, for example, uh, in uh, astronomical observer, astrophysicists, uh, addressed these, uh, addressed these uh, kind of ideas by the term uh, xenobiology which now is no more used. Astrobiology, in fact, is the study of life in space. I, I teach astrobiology. It is probably the topic of my teaching which is giving me much more uh, satisfaction. I have a lot of students, a lot of students. Every year I have uh, like um, 150 students in my course, which is uh, an optional course. So I could have zero, but in fact, I have, I have a lot of them. And most of them are biologists. So you see that astrobiology now is recognized by biologists, which is uh, something very nice, something very, very important. Yeah, yeah. For, new, they are, for, for new, this is the possibility to study something which they would never study otherwise like for example the, the astrophysics of stars uh, the, the even even the structure of the atmosphere uh, and the origin of life uh, you also have courses about the origin of life but sometimes you don't have if you have a course in astrobiology you can learn a lot about the origin of life yeah yeah so yeah well, well we know basically that uh... 
life, uh, at least on Earth, uh, is uh, centered uh, about around carbon, right? So we don't know other forms of life, I think, that uh, are not carbon-based. So do you think, uh, maybe it's as a bit of a speculation, but do you think it's possible to have other forms of life? And do you think life in general is something that uh, is common in the universe? So the universe naturally had to develop life, or is it something very rare? You, okay, let us start from the beginning. And, uh, okay, this is uh, one of the most important topics in astrobiology. Okay, not really in terms uh, of the practice of the research uh, in astrobiology, but if you open a book uh, of astrobiology, you find this, uh, this problem, uh, this problem exposed in the, very, in the very first pages. So, for example, which is the chemical nature of life. Now, the problem with life uh, is that uh, we only have the life on Earth. Yeah. So it is a, a strong uh, limitation. You know nothing about uh, life in space uh, because we, we have never seen uh, life in space, uh, not uh, even a past life like uh, foxes. You have uh, nothing about this. So you have not the faintest idea, in fact, uh, about uh, the possibility of life out of Earth. Now, people say the universe is so impossibly, mind-bugglingly huge yeah. that there must be life somewhere, okay? But if it means, for example, okay, in the excess of negative, of negativity, that if, I, if it means that we have maybe another instance of life, out of our galaxy, uh, in practical term, uh, we have life only on Earth. Okay, because we don't know how it is. Uh, we know we know very little about the origin of life. So we 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 have uh, complete different uh, possibilities, and you can sustain. You can uh, uh, argument about uh, the validity of these ideas, uh, like uh, you know, like. Uh, in a trial, scientists do this. Scientists do this when you have really at the beginning of the discipline. You can say I have very good scientific reasons to believe that life, in practical terms, is only on Earth. Or another colleague may say I have very good evidence, indirect of course, evidence that life is uh, very common. Maybe on, maybe on Mars there was life, not now, very common. Almost on any time you have appropriate condition, you have life. Let us imagine that life is a commonplace. Now there is the problem. Is life similar to Earth or completely different exactly. from Earth? So maybe, for example, could life be based on silicon instead of carbon? Mm -hmm. And now, this is something of which you can which you may elaborate at least this is something which you may elaborate yeah. I remember because we have uh, yes I, I remember this uh, study I think not so long ago uh, where uh, they detected some molecules in the atmosphere of Venus and uh, they thought you know this molecule can be only produced from uh, forms of life you know so they were imagining these sort of forms of life uh, like fluctuating the atmosphere yes, of Venus. Was fine. Was fine. fine exactly exactly but that no, would be uh, a, a yeah. form of life that is totally different than the one of earth you know oh, no, this is astrobiology oh this yeah, is yeah. the kind of astrobiology which becomes very well known to a wide public yes this is astrobiology now, the problem about uh, phosphine in the high atmosphere of Venus uh, uh, is that, uh, you know, phosphine is very simple. I, I wrote, in fact, uh, I wrote, in fact, uh, you know, a, a, a simple account, not for specialists, about this, uh, and uh, it was uh, more than one year ago. They asked me to write this uh, just after this discovery. And uh, I was more on the negative side, uh, but still I am. It is very difficult that you may have a bacteria in the high atmosphere of Venus. It's not impossible, but you know, the problem is one of the lessons which we have learned by astrobiology, we don't have life. 
But now we have a lot of study about the evidence of life, how to evaluate the evidence of life. So for example, phosphine is a molecule which on earth is produced by life. You don't have, don't have, or they are negligible, non-biological non processes which are able to produce a phosphine. But in fact, the phosphine is a very simple molecule. Phosphine is a pH3 one atom of phosphorus and three atoms of hydrogen. So it is quite possible that in space we have chemical reactions, not on Earth, mm -hmm. which may produce this molecule, because this molecule is a very simple molecule. So maybe we don't understand in all details the kind of chemical reaction which may occur in the high atmosphere of Venus. And we have to understand this before assuming that we have found the bacteria, which maybe are not necessary to produce such a simple molecule. You know, these molecules are called biomarkers, which means molecules which probably are produced only by life. And yeah. uh, so you, if you find them, probably you have life. Yeah, yeah. But I so, don't believe, I don't believe in very simple biomarker. I don't okay, believe, because okay, now okay. we know that even oxygen, we know now that uh, even oxygen may be produced by, by inorganic processes, even oxygen. If you have a simple molecule, you can produce it in a lot of ways. In my opinion, a biomarker would be, for example, chlorophyll. Oh, yeah, this would be yeah. this would a stronger, be quite a strong yeah. evidence. Yeah. Evidence, and even chlorophyll may be may be produced can be produced by inorganic method. Okay, okay. So if you have to bet, uh, for example, what's the chance that in the next uh, ten or twenty years we find the strong evidences of life on other planets or satellites, or whatever? In my opinion. If there is life, if there is life, if, if life is common in the universe, uh, we may discover life uh, even next year. Because now we have the technology. Now we have the technology. Now is a very good time to study astrobiology. Mm -hmm. Now astrobiology is going to perform a transition from speculation to to practical science. Okay, okay. But uh, if life is not commonplace, so it means that there is nothing to, to find where we are looking for it, mm -hmm. then, we can, then we will not discover it. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe one, one last uh, um, question, one last comment to conclude also, that is also related actually to the aim of this podcast that is really the communication of science to a general public. I think uh, really that the perception that uh, we in general as a population have, have of science is very important, you know, especially now that we are in the, this COVID area, unfortunately, you know, uh, have some trust on scientists and on science, I think is very, very useful. And the way we, we communicate is not optional anymore. We need to communicate uh, in a good way, I think. Uh, so what do you think about that, about science communication? Also for uh, younger people, you know, younger students. So you've, you've been interviewed also by journals, local journals or television and so on, and you teach. So what, are, what is the importance of these outreach activities? Um, and how can we improve that actually? You know, I, contrary to some of my colleagues, in fact, uh, I don't believe that at the moment we have a lack of communication. Okay. In the last few years, uh, most of my colleagues uh, uh, got into the conviction that uh, it is nice to be known by a large public. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of communication of science. Now, we, I believe that we have a problem of quality. Yeah. I, yes, quality now, in my opinion, is more important than the quantity. Because the young people, uh, and even, uh, even the general public, uh, uh, they are able to, to select. They are able to choose. So now yes. we must be, it's now, you know, it's like when you look for a book and you go to the public library or the bookshop, and you want a book about plainness 
and you have a book, uh, playlist, and you, but you, I know most of these, so you don't buy another one. I know most of these. So then you get a book which is very original. For example, some idea about, uh, I don't know, how rocks uh, are connected with uh, the atmosphere uh, in the context of planes, okay? I am just uh, thinking about yeah, yeah. Okay? Uh, So maybe you say, oh, oh this is uh, something about planes uh, I wanted to know. So in my opinion, what we need now is to avoid to produce uh, other 20 books about plainness if, if we already have 20, and to think about uh, what people want, okay, if they want to, to make another step, because they want to. Now is not, now is not like 10 years ago or 20 years ago. General public, uh, I believe, uh, knows a lot about science. Mm -hmm. Now we must uh, give them something which is more advanced. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. must be able to do it. You must be able to communicate it because uh, it is not so difficult to communicate basic science or to communicate uh, qualitative concepts. But are you able, for example, to explain which is the role of a mathematical speculation in the context of chemistry? Now, it is even difficult to find an editor for a book of this kind because they are they 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 think that maybe they don't sell that much. And in my opinion, we need a lot of more advanced. Uh, more about dissemination or as a divulgation, but more advanced. More, yeah, people exactly. can, yeah. yeah, people can stay, people can have more. For example, yeah. if you ask uh, to, to editor, I, have, I want to write a book about uh, this topic, uh, they say, okay, please, uh, no chemical formula, no mathematical formula. This, I, don't, I think is wrong. It is no more the time of this. And they don't sell maybe because the people want something more. They don't find, they don't buy. That is true. That is true. There are a lot of, actually, probably there are more uh, ways to communicate. A lot of people can communicate now, uh, but uh, uh, it's the quality of the communication that we should stress on, you know. Yeah, we, yeah. we, must, uh, we must reach a higher level. For example, yeah. I have, uh, I have um, people, friends, uh, or my, my friends, uh, which uh, are not expected to know about science, uh, but for example, they are able to answer correctly to a significant fraction uh, of my astrobiology, of my text, or, my, or the test, uh, test, or my exams in astrobiology, because they learn a lot about astrobiology and about space uh, on the TV. They're very, very good. You have a lot of information. A lot of people know, know about Venus, uh, about Mars, uh, and even about plasma. Mm -hmm. So now you must, uh, you, you may assume that they know something. Uh, you must go to, a, to the next level. You must not be afraid to, to go to the next level. Yeah, okay. Okay, Savino, uh, thank you very much uh, for being here. It was a pleasure to talk with you. And, thank you. Uh, see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.